Welcome to the Business Report. Time for our Spotlight feature where we speak to Namibians who are making a difference, who are contributing and who are affecting our futures. In this episode, uh, we talk to founder and CEO of Asina Resources, Haya Dawn. Haya, uh, welcome to the Spotlight. Now, you're a miner, you currently live in Canada, but uh, you come from the deep, dusty streets of Okahania. Tell us a little bit about your childhood here in Namibia. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, one correction. I live in Cape Town, not in Canada, but that's okay. I spend a lot of time in Canada. And um, I'm, I went to school in Okahania. So, yes, I spent time in the dusty streets of Okahania, but actually I was born on a farm about 100 kilometers northeast of Okahania. My parents were cattle farmers. My brother still is. And uh, that's where I grew up and then went to school in Okahania, later to Vintuk, even later to Swakop. That's where I got exposed to Rossing. Rossing gave me a bursary to study mining engineering. I had no idea what it was at the time. It was pure luck. And they've put me through university and I worked for Angler and carried on and eventually became an entrepreneur and started doing this kind of thing, building companies and doing exploration and getting into what we call the junior mining scene. That's what I'm doing now. So now that is that has to be the most concise life story that we've heard on this particular feature. So well done on being incredibly efficient. Uh, we talked to lots of people who have sliding door moments. Um, you've just mentioned getting a bursary of something you didn't understand. Your brother's cattle farming. Do you sometimes think, I'd really like to be chasing the cattle around the felt? Or did have you looked back to that moment and gone, great decision? I mean, it obviously had a huge impact on your life because you probably would have wound up on the ground as many people do. Yes. No, no, no. I have thought a lot about it. Um, and I'll tell you a funny story because I met my wife, Angela, in Cape Town. She's German. And I sometimes tease her and say, oh, if I hadn't met you, I'd be living on the farm now. And then she says, says to me, no, 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 no. Don't give me that. You like your cafe lattes and financial times far too much. <laughs> that's actually true. So she's called my bluff. <laughs> Now, mining is an interesting career choice. Um, you've gone through the ranks and working for a company like Anglo with interests all over the world and, and quite, quite a diversified set of mining interests as well. Uh, but then you decided to go on your own. That's a big call. But the big companies like Anglo typically recruit for life. We, we speak to many people, the banks, the insurance companies, they recruit for life. It's a big call to go out on your own. What informed your thinking? Yeah, no, it is. Um, it was a uh, couple of steps. Um, so firstly, when I worked for Anglo, I worked as an expert. So I made a bit of money and had some US dollars, etc. So I had a bit of a buffer. And um, then I, was, I wanted to become, uh, become an entrepreneur. I liked it. I'm quite risk-taking. I enjoy that. But I just never thought it would be possible in mining because mining is so capital in intensive. So I ended up doing an MBA. Uh, I took a gap year in Cape Town. Um, and at the end of that, I thought, I even thought, I actually thought of buying a service station. I thought maybe I should do that. Okay. And, uh, luckily I didn't. And I got, um, enticed back into the industry and I started working in the finance industry. Actually, Nedbank Capital employed me because it was the beginning of the last commodity super cycle. Mining was hot. They needed engineers with finance, um, skills. So I got employed in banking and that taught me about the finance side of mining. That was my stepping stone to become an entrepreneur. So then it kind of logically went from there. Also, I got exposed to Canadian capital markets through some people that I met. Uh, they taught me how to raise money and how to structure companies, etc. And that's how I ended up here. So it was a series of stepping stones. Um, and I'm very fortunate that I'm doing um, firstly what I love, but also that I use my career, mining and engineering, which um, 
you know, had I built the service station, then all those years would have been useless to some extent. You speak about uh, you know, being willing to take risk. Um, we speak to many entrepreneurs who uh, are loaded with attitude. Um, but what I like asking is, is around the role of education. Um, clearly as an engineer, you've been through a formal qualification, you've got a professional, you've got a profession, you've had exposure to a second profession. Um, how much of a role do you think education plays in who you are today? And how much of a role is it personality, gumption and attitude? I think both. I see education as a passport. It's critical because it gives you credibility. People know if you've gone through university or you've done your time or whatever, it gives you credibility. And what I've learned is success um, is very much driven by relationships, being able to manage and handle relationships. And that's why, of course, credibility is important. Um, but personality is equally important. I do, th I do believe that certain aspects you have, in my case, I guess I'm, I've, got, um, I've got quite a bit of drive um, and I'm, uh, you know, attention to detail, etc. So that's good. But I also believe in the two sides of the coin, which is your best attributes, often also your worst. So in my case, for example, I'm a little bit impatient. That's not so good, being driven though. So I think it's a mix of personality and training. I mean, I'll tell you in our company, for example, we've employed a lot of young Namibian geologists and we've employed them, employed them largely on uh, sorry, on personality. Of course, they needed to have the education. And then we gave them a lot of mentorship and training. And it's, it's, it's been a model that's worked really well. You are from Namibia, You're currently not living in the country, but pretty much your whole balance sheet will be sitting here, if not now, then soon. Uh, you're in a phase of building a mine um, between Omaru and, uh, and Karabib. Um, that will keep you busy for the next decade or two. Uh, but it's a, still a nervy time. There's still a lot that can go wrong in the construction of a mine. Um, how much do you watch the newspapers looking for news of what the Namibian government is talking about in terms of business legislation, mining policies? And how do you feel about the fact that it does seem to sort of change from time to time? It's a huge factor. And I watch it like a hawk um, because I get phone calls instantly when things get said. Um, being a Namibian, I can read between the lines um, and I can see the positive intent I do think that the I, I detect a very strong move towards pragmatism in Namibian regulatory affairs, which is very positive. But um, foreigners don't always uh, interpret it that way. So, yes, I do pay a lot of attention to it. But generally speaking, I'm a great proponent or I'm a great – I advertise Namibia as best as I can internationally because I actually believe it. I think we've got a great country. It's got many positives. We've got many challenges, but um, – it's 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 um it's a low risk jurisdiction. So, you know, a bit of the policy noise you always have that. You have that in the US, you have that in Canada, you have that wherever you go. I think Namibia is no different. And how straightforward has it been to to bring your project to this point? It's been nearly six years from uh, from looking starting to look for something and then starting to build a mine. Um, how simple has it been as an entrepreneur? operating in the Namibian space? No, it has been a very windy road. So we started off as a dream, literally. We thought there's a gold mine, there's a gold mine, there should be something in between. Um, and that was it. So the fact that we made a discovery, of course there was luck involved, um, but you can you can be a, you can panel beat your own luck, or as Gary Player says, the harder you try, the luckier you get. Um, and we've done that. So that systematic approach usually yields results. 
But exploration is complicated because it's 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 um it's not linear. It's not like building a house. It's um it's very subjective, etc. Multiple layers of data and so forth. So a lot of geological uncertainty. So now it's getting easier because the dream is getting to reality. So it's much easier to explain to people we've got a real project. Yes, we need to finance it and so forth, but it's becoming much more linear, much more predictable. Um, and it also plays more and more into my existing skill set as a mining engineer. Um, so I think it's getting easier, but it's getting much, much bigger, way more time consuming, etc. Now, gold mining has been an activity that's been going on in the country for the last 30 or 40 years. Um, but there's suddenly a whole lot of noise. There's oil, there's green hydrogen, there's gas, there's solar. Um, how much of that helps and how much of that hinders given some of the base effect restraints we see in an economy of this size? I think generally speaking, it's very positive and it helps because Namibia, need, we need jobs. We need economic growth and we can't just get that from farming and tourism. We need more and fishing. So mining and the extractive industries are potentially a major catalyst for positive change if it's done right. So that's positive. Um, of course, with oil and gas, I am cautious or I'm sort of uh, guardedly optimistic. I'm very optimistic, but I'm a little bit concerned um, of what the economists call Dutch disease, which is um, the focus turns completely onto oil and gas. Everything else gets forgotten. We don't get attention anymore. At the moment, mining is still a, quite a big show in Namibia. Economically speaking, I think we make up about half of Namibia's exports consistently. So we are a very important economic driver. But uh, when oil comes on, that's going to change. And I, I really hope um, that that will be mostly positive. I think um, it's very important that all Namibians pull together and that we nurture uh, these opportunities that we have. Just lastly, in closing, um, your story, you're, you're still in the introductory chapters to a large extent of, of a professional story. Uh, you're on the verge of something most people dream about, which is owning a gold mine, um, and you'll be doing it in your home country. How much responsibility do you feel in terms of what responsibility that places on both you and your company in a, in a, in a country this size, given the challenges it faces? Major responsibility, because I know the impact that mining can have, positive and negative. So I've got a huge opportunity. We've got a blank canvas. We can craft this in the way we want uh, and do it right. But that's very important because I'm a proud Namibian. I intend coming back here without having to hide and be ashamed of what I did. So that's very important for me. But I wanted to clarify, I don't, I'm not going to be the only one owning that gold mine. I own a small stake. We've been diluted heavily um, and there will be lots of other shareholders. So we will all own, own a gold mine. Hi, Dawn. Thank you so much for joining us in this evening's Spotlight. Great. Thank you.